Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. We're back. We are back yet. We're a bit like a bad dose of crabs. There might be like occasional times where you think you've got rid of us, but uh, then we just come back to annoy you. Do you know what? People must have missed us. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> Mr. Johnny Seven here as always with Mark Mac. It's amazing as well. We've only missed one episode, so we've not done a podcast for two weeks, and it feels like absolutely loads has happened. Yeah, I mean, most of all, we've got about, I don't know, we've got a few, quite a few games to catch up on, uh, and... More importantly, like a load of goals suddenly started appearing. Since we last done a podcast, nine points, nine goals. Yeah, so um, we're going to have to. Should we? Should we dress my bad back? Do we have to? I'm fed up about it and about this. To be honest. Well, let's just say, folks, thanks for all the well wishes on Twitter. All oh, two of them. I've been bombarded on Twitter uh, with well wishes. Not really, just people saying, ah, sick note, and um, is it muscle fatigue and call me Johnny Alcaraz and stuff like that. Johnny, in the last couple of weeks, has been like a scout Stephen Hawking. Uh, he has been immobile, uh, and his voice, as you can tell, is very annoying. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but... I'm back to a relative uh, up, upright position and I can manage to talk nonsense about the blues for uh, an hour or so, so you'll, you'll all be glad to hear. Any rumours that I've been doing as physical therapy are just lies, by the uh, way, downright lies. scandal. Downright lies. Um, we're going to kick off today by looking at a game which seems like an age ago now. We're going to cover the two games that we would have covered last week very briefly and then talk about last weekend's game. Get it back up to date and... Back into modern times. Yeah, so... The Swansea game was that long ago. We watched it in black and white, didn't we? The Swansea game, yeah. The Swansea game was one which I was very hit and miss about going to because that's when I started feeling the the pain and stuff. Um, But I did go along and in the end, I'm glad I did because it was... um, I mean, as with a lot of games, it wasn't the the, the overall best performance from us, was was it? Like the Cardiff game the week before? No, I mean... (laughs) It was a frustrating one in the fact that we should have put them to bed, really, and, and we let them back into the game, didn't we? Especially towards the end, uh, where they're finishing 3-2. Um, but, you know, as we say, it was one of those games where we expected to get a result, and, and we did, and we continued the, the winning streak, so you couldn't ask for any more. Yeah, we're that, not really. going to go through and do like what we normally do and talk about the lineup and that kind of thing. We'll ju- just talk a little bit about the goals. Um <clears throat> The, the first the first one came by it was a, a great break by uh, Ross Barkley uh, and he managed a little bit of skill and Chico he's a little bit uh, little bit erratic at times and he Chico Flores and, and took him down and uh, up, up steps Bainesy. Yeah, penalty from Bainesy and let's face it, he, he doesn't really miss them, does he? Once you know, I, I still. Get surprised when other people pick the ball up and, and attempt to try yeah. and take a penalty. I think Morales fancied it, didn't he? Morales was like kind of de- not demanding it. Morales basically. wants to take everything though, doesn't he, yeah, at the he moment? Does. He does, yeah. Um, the, the lead wasn't... Uh, we, we didn't have the lead for that long. It was quite short-lived because uh, Bonnie managed to get an equaliser for Swansea, which uh, caused a lot of discontent at Goodison. The crowd groaning a lot and... Uh, Went in one all at half time. 
just on that note, I mean, I just wanted to talk about Bonnie because there's been quite a lot of talk between Evertonians since, really. Um, he was absolutely immense against us in that game, I thought. He got substituted halfway through the second half, which was, to me, was a shock because he was, he was running the game, really, yeah, Bonnie. The, the only thing I can think is he must have been knackered from carrying the whole team on his shoulders. Uh, possibly, yeah. I mean, to, to run around for 90 minutes with 10 other players on your back, I can see what you're saying, but... Uh, there's been a lot of talk since from Evertonians saying, you know, do you think we should possibly look at Bonnie as a, as a, you know, either a strike partner or a possible replacement for Lukaku? Yeah, I think he might be the cheaper option. Possibly, but I think at the minute his value is going up rather than going down. I don't think they're probably, if you're talking say fifteen to twenty million for Lukaku, you're probably talking ten to fifteen for Bonnie. I would have thought so. Um, I don't think there'd be a massive difference in uh, in value. Wages, though. Wages, probably, yeah. You probably willing, get... willingness to actually not play in the Champions League if, if we don't make it. Well, I mean, Swansea's starting to look safe now, aren't they? There was a, a short period there where, you know, Swansea looked like they, they were really in trouble. I think they've got a couple of results, haven't they, the last couple of games, so they managed to drag themselves out of it, so... I think if Swansea got relegated, then Bonnie definitely would have been off for grabs. Whether he still is now, uh, I don't know. But he did impress me in that game. I thought, do you know what I like about him? I like the fact that he, he's willing to take a shot on early. Yeah, he's got he's got a good bit of skill, as we saw this weekend, just gone. That goal, that link-up between him and De Guzman, that little back heel, just perfectly into De Guzman's pass, what, one-two. Just just a lovely bit of skill. And we, we, don't, Lukaku, we know Lukaku's got a lot of power and pace. It doesn't really... Have that little deft touch, does he? Yeah. I mean, we, you know, he's got that little bit of selfishness that I think you need in a centre forward. We seem to have it in our wingers rather than our centre forward. Um, but yeah, I do. I like him, and, you know, I definitely would like to see Everton maybe have an inquiry to see whether it's a possibility of getting them signed off for the Blues. Yeah, so he puts them back on level terms. We go in half time, one all. Uh, we managed to get a breakaway and. I don't know whether you remember this goal because it was forever ago. But Lukaku seemed to send Morales really, like instead of playing him inside, he played the ball outside yeah. on the right hand side. So so he had to kind of come back in. But he ended up putting a great ball into the near post and just missed out the defender and and, and uh, Lukaku finished. Yeah, it was good. Gladys. Yeah, good finish from Lukaku. Um, again, touching on a point there, Morales in that game. I found him to be utterly frustrating. He really disappointed me in the game against Swansea. He, 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 well, he's, it's been that kind of season for him, isn't it? It's, we know he's got the ability, and we know we can he, he do. And he does keep popping up with these odd bits of like magic, which kind of paper over the cracks a little bit. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, we've highlighted this before on the podcast. To me, it's. He seems to be playing for himself rather than the team, and that doesn't seem to be, you know, going away. In fact, it seems to be getting more prevalent every time I see him. Really, um, I, you don't know, do you? Maybe Martinez is encouraging him to be greedy. He th- you know, he thinks you know that might be Morales's best trait, and that's how he changes games and, and can do good things individually. That little spark of magic, as you say. But to me, at the moment. If I found out we were selling him in the summer, I wouldn't be upset as long as we got a decent price. Yeah, 
Um, and he was my tip to be player of the season for us. My, yeah, mine too. Um, so, 2-1 up. Uh, we get a corner. Just as, um, just as we get the corner, I had this vision. And I, what did I, I ended up saying, I'm not sure if it was to you or anyway, it might have been to Steve. Um, do you know, for a big lad, you know, over 6 foot, Ross Barkley doesn't score nearly enough headers. You did say that. And uh, the ball comes across and he gets the jaggest head goal <laughs> you'll ever see. What do you mean? He towered above a number of defenders and bullet-headed it into the top corner. Yeah, the, the ball kind of came across and he was in a kind of crouched, kneeling over position and the ball <laughs> bounced on his head and went in on the line. <laughs> i tell you something now, you, you may laugh at that, but I, that would have gone over the head of Brett Angel. It really would have done. He would have, he would have jumped out of the way, wouldn't he? Probably, yeah. Jumped under it. Um, so, 3-1 up, and we look safe for a little while, but then uh, Swansea Swan- seemed to uh, rally, and they get a really good chance with uh, Bonnie again, good header, really great save from Tim Howard, keeps it at 3-1, and then um, as time's ticking out, they managed to get one from a corner, um, after, this is long after Bonnie's gone off, and Williams puts it in. Yeah, I mean, it was a case of, I think we switched off a little bit, didn't we? It was trying to just see out the, the 3-1 basically and we let Swansea back in for the maybe a, cut, a, a nervous minute or two just towards the end yeah uh, and it wasn't the most uh, the fans weren't the most enthusiastic at that final whistle considering we just picked up three points yeah again Goodison was very quiet same story as what we've talked about for you know two or three months now disappointing yeah three anyway, points though so happy with that and yeah uh, you know, the, the momentum rolled on to the, the Newcastle game a couple of days later, away to Newcastle. Uh, you know, that massive giant of a club up oh, in the northeast, and you know, who should, according to Alan Pardew, finish above us every single season uh, and, and not even in our league when it comes to, you know, stature and uh, pulling power. I can't express how much that club uh, pissed me off last week. It's just, it's you talk about the red shape being delusional. Pardew and you know the, the the hacks like you know Mickey Quinn. Who was Mickey Quinn? <laughs> did you read that article? I, I did read the article. Yeah, I don't. I, what I don't get is how did he manage to write that article in between eating pies? I thought he was. I mean, a horse racing um, pundit now. He should stick to it because he knows absolutely zero about football. I think he's just a bit of red shape turned Geordie just trying to have a few snipes. Why? You know, it shows how much, how far we've come as a club that people like him are taking snipes at Everton. I think he's worked on Talk Sport for too long and you know the way they do that thing on Talk Sport where they just say outrageous things just to get a reaction and get people to phone up? I think basically he now believes some of the delusional crap that he has to talk on Talk Sport. But there we go anyway. So we were playing the giants of the modern game, Newcastle, up at St James's Park or the Sports Direct dot com arena or whatever it's called these days, um, and we wiped their eye a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, uh, they seem to have a good bit of possession uh, and a good bit of attacking possession, but they did, they did zero with it. They took another thing that's done me head in is they've talked about our loan players, and we should be punished by the by the league for having loan players. Their best player is Remy who uh, is injured and if 
he was on the pitch, it might have been a different story. Well, have you seen the stats about Remy? The fact that in the whole this whole season, Newcastle have only scored one goal without Remy on the pitch. <laughs> Every other goal that the team me, scored, but... Remy's been on the pitch. So without him, they've only scored one goal all season. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, I've got a little bit of a confession about this match. I didn't see it until Thursday. I managed to avoid the result because I was so out of it on painkillers. Are we going to have this whole sympathy thing no, right the way through the... No, is this? I'm just saying that in, 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 the, in, in modern day, with you know Facebook and you know all, all the internet, all every bit of like social networking and everything, to avoid a football result for that long. She didn't even know it was three 0 No. Do you know we won? Uh, no. Right. I managed That's amazing. To, I managed to avoid it for that long. Cause Shows how much updating you do on the website. Well, just for those two days, I was just I, I was I was out of it and I, I couldn't I couldn't sit or lie for, for long enough. To, to focus uh, on do you know what? I'm starting to shed tears here. So you want me to? Go, where's that violin that I played no, 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 the other week on that, the podcast? That's, that's impressive, though, isn't it? That, that, to avoid a result, and I watched the game in its entirety by, via some uh, dodgy. Uh... It would be impressive if you weren't actually, you know, an amateur Everton pundit, and you should be watching games when they happen. I know. That's um, anyway. That's that's my confession, and, I, and you know, I, I did catch up. I watched it all. Um, and I'm ashamed to say that I didn't go to Newcastle because I was in work that day. However, I did watch the game live before I went to work. Um, and in all honesty, I thought it was pretty much the perfect away performance. Yeah, that goal, by that goal, it's, you know what I mean by that goal, don't you? I do know what you mean by that goal. The reincarnation of Paul Gascoigne, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking, got to pass it, you got to... I'm sure everyone was. Lukaku was screaming for it, and we, we've talked earlier on in the season about um, Barkley's kind of like, uh, wrong choices at times. This time it wasn't the wrong choice. I think when it got to the final little bit of play, one of the def- defenders went down and kind of made the decision for him. I think, but I don't know whether you're. How, how would you rate it as far as our goals of the season? It was good. I don't think it was a particularly good goal. I, I understand... It was a little what, bit easy. I, I think, you know, what did he actually do? Okay, he ran from our half with the ball, right? The Newcastle players all backed off and backed off and then all decided to fall over. It was a good finish. I'll give him that. It was a great finish. But it was a finish from, like, what, 10 yards? I think any time you run that length uh, with the ball... Um, it, it becomes impressive because you know you shouldn't have that much space. But yeah, it, it was a great goal. It was nowhere near as good as Jermaine Beckford against Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if he'd have played the greatest t- control of all time. That, that first bubble between five defenders, which took them all out of play, was just <laughs> the best bit of skill I've ever seen in my life. Um, Sorry, the best bit of a uh, unintended skill, you mean? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, but it was, I mean, it, it was, to be fair, it was a great goal and um, he, he saved himself a bit of an ear, ear bashing because Lukaku had been screaming for it and screaming for it and screaming for it and he didn't need him in the end. I mean, just on that note, when we first saw the teams for the Newcastle game, I think there was a few eyebrows raised because Osman and Delafeu. Yeah, I thought uh, Osman did great though. 
He did. He, yeah, he was. He had a great performance that game, uh, and Delafeu caused problems as well. Yeah, he, Mr. Morales was was on the bench after his uh, performance against Swansea. He's uh, Delafeu. I'm, I'm probably going to talk about this loads anyway. But even when, he, even though he's so frustrating when he's greasy and that, he's still exciting. He's he is, yeah, and he looks a threat, and I think he scares defenses. See, Morales. I don't know, he seems a little bit more predictable. He seems, you know, he, he does that little thing where he does that little side, back heel kind of thing to cut inside every time, doesn't he? And never doesn't really go on the outside. I think Delafeu, you really don't know. I don't think he knows. He just does that little glide and dribble and uh, manages to get uh, a half yard to get a shot or a cross. And um, it's just really exciting. So, 1-0 up, go in, 1-0 up, half-time. And uh, we managed to get another one, Lukaku again. We did, yeah, second half. We come out and it was pretty much following the same pattern as, as the first half, really. Um, you know, and up stepped uh, Big Rob uh, to double the lead. Similar finish, wasn't it? Another sliding in kind of, it was it Delefeu on the right? Uh, and he's kind of put it on a plate for him and he slid in near post and put it near post again. Good, so good striker's goal. That's, I mean... A lot of the time, I get frustrated because Lukaku's not in those positions. He tends to go out to the, you know, you see him popping up on the right, you see him popping up on the left, the edge of the box where he's trying to, he's got like four players in front of him and he's, he's got to beat a man to even get a shot off. This is where I want to see Lukaku, you know, getting balls into the box and him using his strength and, and winning balls and getting yeah. strikers finishes. That The number 10 should be doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, or, you know, so to speak, or, or number ten player, whoever's in that role. Sometimes it's been Barkley, sometimes it's been Osman. I think at the weekend it ended up being Naismith. Um, the world's new greatest number ten. Yeah. Um, so that that they should be in that those position, and Lukaku should be that spearhead. Um, so two 0 up, and it quickly. Well, I'll say quickly in the, in the kind of dying minutes, uh, Osman puts a. Uh, a cherry on top, doesn't he? With a, a little little ball in from Lukaku, and what a finish from Aussie! Great finish, yeah. Aussie put the game to bed, and he deserved the goal for his all-round performance. I thought it was possibly his best performance in Everton shirt this season. Yeah, I mean, he he will continue to get criticised, and you know, he, he he could have been. I'm not saying he was like head and shoulders above everyone figuratively, of course, on the pitch that day. But he, he had a very good role in the game, uh, got a goal, but still. Nobody wanted to see him start against Fulham. Of course, I mean, we we hold our hand up on, on this podcast. We try to be as objective as possible. And at times we've been criticised, you know, we've been criticised for criticising Osman, for Naismith, Morales this week, you know. We, we've said a few disparaging words about him, but we like to give players praise as well when he play well. And, and Osman was, was superb against Newcastle. That's it. I mean, we never say, we never say like... Uh, you know, give a player a stick and say, you know, get rid of them or the rubbish or, you know, go and die and go, you know, like Liverpool Liverpool fans tend to get on the back of their players. And so we just... We there t- are some Everton fans who say these sorts yeah, of things no, as well. Yeah, you know, and it's... it's um, but still, you know, we, we've been criticised for daring to have an opinion on and, and saying that some, some of the performance haven't been good enough. You know, why? <laughs> We're not entitled to opinion. Exactly. Um, so, 
Another three points. Another three points, and it's uh, that was four wins out of four. Yeah, so we step up. It, it seems that every kind, every game. I mean, for the past three, uh, past uh, three, four games, every game seems to be our most important game because. Well, outside of everyone, what's been happening is other teams have been dropping points in the league, haven't they? So suddenly, we've started to gather a little bit of momentum and talk of finishing in the Champions League places, finishing fourth, reared his head again. And, you know, once we won at Newcastle, going into the Fulham game, um, you know, it's looking possible. That, before that Swansea game, there was no talk of this. The Newcastle game, it was a little bit of a pipe dream, maybe. After the Fulham game, or sorry, before the Fulham game, um, I think because Arsenal ended up drawing at the weekend, uh, it became an apps like an actual, you know, reality. You know, it's, it's, it's gathered the momentum, and, yeah. and people have started to believe. And I mean, we'll talk a little bit more as we look at the Arsenal game coming up. But um, now people are. You know, everyone thinks we're the favourites for it. I don't agree with that. No, we can't. Um, we're not, we're, you can't be favourites unless you're in the position. A lot of people we're talking to saying they think we're the team with the momentum and, and that is what makes us the favourites to finish fourth. But um, we'll get to that in a little bit of time. Um, so, going into the game on Sunday. Yeah, Osmond is enough uh, at Newcastle to keep his place. Well, again. it was the same team. It was unchanged. Yeah, completely unchanged. Uh, so, still no sign of Jags. Um, otherwise, the back four is the same. Uh, Stones, Barry, Barry McCarthy, midfield, best midfield partnership in the league. I would have thought if Jagiel could have come back in for Stones in that game, he would. Johnny Stones would have been exceptionally unlucky because his form he's shown since Jagiel has got injured has been phenomenal. I think he would have been unlucky, but I wouldn't have. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have minded because he's our club captain. John Stone's performance against Fulham now merits uh, a different outlook, I think. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, so Osman gets his place. Barkley keeps his place as well. Delafeu, as I said, team unchanged. So Morales has to sit and watch on the bench again. Uh, ah well. You you were quite uh, you had quite a lot to say about the uh, the first half against Fulham. Did I? <laughs> yeah, you were given a. Not minute by minute, or, uh, no. I in, was, in ten minute intervals, you were you had some really great constructive criticism about our performance. Do, do you know what? Going into this game, I think I got caught up in in the Champions League Ferrari. Is that the right word? Ferrari or Ferrari? Anyway, um, I was quite nervous about this game. You know, it's Fulham away. It's Fulham away. We hardly ever win there. You know. I just it just it had all the hallmarks to me of a big slip up, so I wasn't well, confident. I wasn't confident going into the game at all, um, and then the game started and I suddenly became even less confident because in the first half we were appalling. I don't think we, as far as away performances go, I don't think it was that bad. I thought we did all right. Um, you know they're fighting for their lives. They've got. A lot of players with uh, you know with a lot of quality, um, and you know we managed to. It was nil nil at half time, so they didn't really. I mean, they had one chance uh, with the bet, like almost the last kick of the first half, where they really tested Howard, but there wasn't that much pressure. 
It was, we didn't create an awful lot. Well, that's why there was a lot of. I had a lot of activity on Facebook because when I'm nervous about us getting beat, I like to take my mind off it by just writing rubbish on the Facebook page. Um, so there I was, sat in front of Sky Sports. I saw the fact that Distan looked like he'd never played football before, couldn't control the ball, kept getting it caught up in his feet, kept giving away possession every time he had it. Uh, and I just had to put something out there on the page saying that we were playing. Utterly two, I think was the way they used to describe the performance. But that, you know, that that point you just made, I also picked up on that, and I was trying to, you know, fill in, fill in uh, when you were doing your ten minutes. I was trying to fill in uh, like halfway in between uh, with like little little bits of optimism um, or just constructive kind of points. To, and that that this standpoint, I, this we, I've said this before. We've said this before. Some kind of plan B. Instead of just giving it to Distan every time, just why not just go over to the right? But it seems to be given to Distan because he's the senior defender for him to bring out. But sometimes, as you say, he looks when he's got that ball playing, like playmaking defender kind of role, he just turns into a well, wreck, doesn't he? There was a plan B in the second half, and I don't know whether you picked up on it, and that's what I want to talk about in a sec. But in going back to the first half. Not only did Distan look like he couldn't pass a ball, Baines didn't have a great game either. Baines kept giving the ball away a little bit. Well, um, well Osman did as well. Well, yeah. That, as I say, I thought the performance in general w- was terrible. Osman looked like a completely different player from yeah. the Newcastle game. The only player who looked like he, he was giving us any sort of hope and looked to be any threat to Fulham in the first half was, was Delafeu. But then... He, again, he wasn't really producing anything. He was just picking the ball up and running, and maybe you know, pinging across against the front, uh, uh, across the six-yard box that wasn't finding anybody. It was nothing really, you know, no great chances. He's one of those players, isn't he? It's like he, he goes to that position so many times, and he'll put like a either disappointing ball in or a cross shot, which uh, doesn't go anywhere near any of our players. That sometimes. The attackers who go up with them aren't willing to uh, take that chance because it's like they've already done that. They've been there, done that, and you know, been disappointed. But you don't know who to criticise in that, do you? I mean, no. you want an M, you want an end product from Delafeu, and if a cross, a cross is an end product from a winger. Now, yeah. this is going back to my point earlier about Lukaku. Lukaku really should know by now that that's Delafeu's style and that's where he's going to be putting the ball and he should be sniffing around that box as the centre forward to get on the end of those because it could you know be a great source of goals if you had a, a, you know an out and out poacher in a box well Lukaku with, with experience could you know that that is it's you know it's an instant kind of thing uh, but it also could come with experience just picking up uh, a load of tappings so do you think Wilfred Boney would have been in the box on the end of a couple of them. Well, he, he, the one he scored against us uh, two weeks ago was was quite. It was a bit like that. It was a bit of a tap in. But Lukaku's last two have been tap like tap ins on uh, from uh, low crosses. So True. I think it'll come. Um, so we go in half time. Well, first first of all, um, Ross Barkley took a knock early on. He did, yeah, and I think he tried to play through it, didn't he? Which maybe wasn't the greatest of ideas. He hobbled for a long time, and then seemed to, it seemed like he had shook it off. 
but apparently not because he uh, made way at half time for um, the Albino Pelly. Yeah, calf injury apparently for Barkley, uh, and as Johnny's mentioned, then um, you know the blonde assassin Stephen Aismith came on at half time. Nessie, the Scottish Messi. I like it. <laughs> Your Jake came up with that. Is that because he's not often seen? Yeah, because he's uh, people don't believe believe in him. Ah, I see what you're doing there as well, yeah. Uh, I, I was trying to think of some kind of playing words like Nessie, the Scottish Messi. <laughs> That's terrible. I can't believe you've actually just put that onto tape. Um, never mind. Uh, so he comes on half time and we look a completely different side. Well, it was a completely different game, wasn't it? Second half. Uh, apparently, uh, Roberto's instructions to um, to Naismith were to, go, to, to they'd spotted a lot of spaces in, in behind the defenders and down the channels, etc. And his instructions were to go in and uh, exploit them spaces. And I have never seen instructions followed to a T and so well uh, better than that. <laughs> That's a good point. Do you think it was Naismith's introduction that changed the game? Uh, I think that, well, yeah, I do. Do you know what I think changed the game? In the second half, John Stones became the re-embodiment of Franz Beckenbauer. Beckenbauer yeah. He was just unbelievable he was you know so solid at the back and every time he got the ball he just opened up them big long legs of him and just strode out into midfield beating players dropping shoulders you know just just, he start I think he started every move in the second half we had at one point he ran virtually the length of the field beat a couple of players played a little one two and ended up on the left wing yeah, and he, from from like right centre back, it's just unbelievable. It's we, just unbelievable we, talent. We went from distant not being able to pass a ball out from the back four to obviously something had been said at half time, and Stone started picking up the ball. And and as I say, you know, I thought he was immense. Yeah. Uh, so it only took us uh, just over five minutes. We get a corner uh, and. Get the big men in there and Naismith spots a little bit of space on the edge of the box, hangs back and it drops to him and he uh, rifles in a volley. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think you might find that was an own goal. Yeah, I thought it'd come off um, it'd come off Barry and was going kind of wide, but it wasn't. It was Rito who kind of made the block. And then uh, it was hard to pick up initially what had happened, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. until he slowed it down and he realised that the keeper had put it in his own net. And he, he was playing, he was playing all right up until then as well, wasn't he? Um, so unfortunate for them, fortunate for us, because uh, when you're down battling for your lives, you don't get those goals. That's true, yeah. When you're kind of challenging up near the top end, for some reason, you just tend to go for you. Uh, and I picked all the Evertonians up behind that goal because there was there was thousands down there as there always is at Craven Cottage. Uh, I, you know, you could really hear the difference, couldn't you? In, in you know the noise coming from the Evertonians be, behind the goal that the, we just scored. I thought, I thought the atmosphere sounded pretty good anyway. I thought the Blues were, but you know, going in nil nil half time, it, pro- it might have taken the life out of them a little bit. But as you say, that was well undone when when when, um, when that goal went in. Uh, and then I think did, did Fulham make the substitution at half time, or did they make it following the goal when they and they brought uh, was it Mick Jagger? They brought on. Yeah, the moves like Mick Jagger, 
Um, do, do both the Jagger on at, uh, let's see. A quick check of uh, the iPad is going on for the, the minute. I don't know the, why the we six, need to announce the minute. 64th minute, so uh, they, saw, they, they, they saw that they might have had a little bit of a, uh, an avenue back into the game. We didn't really tighten the screw as well as we could have done. We had a few other chances, um, but we didn't put it to bed. And no, there was, a, there was a period there of sustained pressure from Fulham, wasn't it? Uh, you know, which coincided with the Jagger coming on. Uh, and then the Jagger equalised with, you know, a great finish. You've got to give the lad praise. It was, it was a great it was a finish. Great finish it really cut in. Uh, bit, of for, bit of fortune before that, do you think, James McCarthy slipping over? Well, even before that... Um, uh, our old mate Zorro in defence <laughs> Johnny Heitinger uh, ball went up towards Naismith he's got both arms around him and pulls him down to the ground had to be a free kick had to be a free kick and, and, and from that they broke up the other end of the same, field in that same uh, like, passage of play it wasn't like the ball didn't go out it was that same very same break when the Jagger got the ball on the left and cut inside and as you meant, as you were just going to say about the fortune uh, the fortune uh, misfortune for us. Uh, McCarthy uh, had ice skates on and went for a little uh, a little slip. Uh, it looked like Coleman was leaving the Jagger to McCarthy covering, so that big gap just opened up and he just rifled a shot down the middle of it. These things great happen. Finish. Players slip over, but a great finish right in the near post. I mean, a lot of people would say, you know, keepers should be saving those in the near that post, was, but that was a rocket, wasn't yeah, it? Was. I, I I don't blame Tim Howard at all. So, um, just on a side note. What was that thing on Johnny Eitinger's face? I don't, you know, players have started wearing these masks now to cover various injuries. That didn't look like it protected from anything. It was just like a, like a, I don't know, a bit of cloth tied around his eyes, like he was going to rob a bank. Maybe he had some business to do after after the game. It was bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so his celebration was quite quite good, wasn't it? Because he because he. Uh, he didn't particularly seem to agree that he should have been on the bench because he's had, he's had a bit of a say in Fulham's fortunes. Oh, you know, he's, he's I think he's a, I think he's a big fan favourite of Fulham. There was I, I, did you notice there was quite a few signs like Fulham fans thought he was the wrestling or something, and he had like cardboard signs in the crowd with the Jagger rose on them. No, we didn't see that. Um, but he, he ran over to celebrate uh, with their dugout, but it was more like a, why didn't you fucking pick me? Kind of thing, wasn't <laughs> right. It? Yeah. Anyway, um, so. You, do, you, do you know who's managing Fulham this week? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're up to speed with that now, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, we won all, and then as you said, that's when I think that's when the real pressure came. It got nervy then. It really did. Uh, I was swearing in my living room. Heitinger, uh, I was thinking he was going to do us a bit of do the Blues a favour. You know, he loves the Blues, doesn't he? Nearly did the exact opposite by getting a chance about three yards out and Howard ended up making a great save with his feet. Could have been very different though. It could have been, it could have been. And, and, and a famous Evertonian whose dad has been doing his best to get him a move to the Blues uh, for about uh, about two, two, three seasons now. Uh, Lewis Holtby seemed to uh, think that the best way of doing it would be by scuppering our Champions League chances and playing out of his skin and put on every possible whipped dead ball in. His dad had clearly, like, you know, told him he wasn't allowed to go to a party or grounded him or taken his mobile phone off him earlier in the week because Holby wanted to do everything he could to upset his owl fella, didn't he? Yeah, um, Lewis. 
but on that note, I, you know, hope you're really impressed with that game. A few times I've seen them play this season, and I've thought, I don't really get what the, what you know, what all this build-up about him has been. I don't really see what he gives you, but I thought he played really well against. He us. did. He, he had he had a lot of. Uh, Dangerous kind of outcomes, so, you know, like, like a, a decent whip ball or a, a good effort on goal. He was and always he, free for the ball as well. Yeah. He was always finding that little bit of space in, in a pocket strug- somewhere. In, in a struggling team, yeah. So in a good team, I think he'd flourish. The only problem is he's, he has at his parent club is that they've got seventy six million midfielders, and he, you know, he occasionally gets a little snip in there. So. Um, I think that's his only problem with Tottenham. I think he'd do well at Evan. So as we've spoke about Boney, what do you think about? Colby chances. Would you like to see us going for him? Yeah, I think we. I think he's. I don't think he's got a future at Spurs at the moment, do you? But it's whether Spurs would want to sell him to us, being a direct rival. No, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's neither here nor there. To be honest, I think uh, Spurs. It's just like a revolving door of uh, players there at, at times. So, uh, yeah, I can see it. Maybe not this summer. Maybe in a, in a January break. I think he'll probably go. Back to Spurs, try and, and and they'll try and get something out of him again, and then he'll probably fail again, and then we might get him for a bit of a cup price deal. Anyway, we digress. So back to the Fulham game. It was one all. That we were real, under a lot of pressure. Their real pressure came. Uh, so Bobby decided to change things up and bring on first of all Morales, who again was a little bit frustrating, but he he, he, he offered a little bit more of a direct. I think it was a, a direct option out. And he, he came did, on for Delafeu. Yeah, he did all right. That was in, uh, I think, what, 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 68 minutes, something like that. Possibly. Yeah, so he did all right. Uh, his, his, his main contribution came after the second substitution, which was, sorry, our, our third substitution of the day. McGeady came on for Osman, who, as we said, didn't have his best day. No, definitely didn't have his best day. Definitely didn't repeat his performance against Newcastle. Um, so that was just under 15 minutes left. And uh, within two minutes, uh, there's a ball played out to McGeady uh, from Howard, and it was it was like the most direct bit of play, but not long ball. It was just yeah. chest down, picked out Morales with a, a, a pass. Do you remember the Arteta passes where he just we, we call them the Arteta passes because he just see a player and he about five yards away and he'd absolutely just bang it at them and expect them to control it. Yeah. Well. I think that McGeady ball was a little bit of an Arteta pass into Morales, who like made a good little run in off the defender to give himself that channel. It was a great through ball. Though. It was. It was. It was. You know, you'd expect a, you know a top professional footballer to control it, but they don't always do that. No. But Morales, absolute worldy of a first touch. Sublime first touch. And you know this. Berbatov esque. This is what we talk about with. He, he didn't. It's not like he didn't kill it. He cushioned it into. Into, uh, you know, it was a lot of pace on the ball, and he cushioned it right into his path to run on and uh, be able to make the finish, which I thought was a great finish at first. Have you seen it close up? Uh, I still think it's a decent finish, is it not? Um, on about a foot after he did it. Well, in fact, in the challenge, it's going one way, and it takes a nick off the defender's toe and goes into the other post. Ah, right. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's well, a great goal, great uh, you know, great breakaway and. Great goal, and you know, I'm happy. What I'm happy most about in that goal is that he just buried it rather than trying something stupid like to chip the keeper 
or to nutmeg him or to go round him. Yeah, because that's what I would have come to expect at the moment from him. Yeah, he just he just wanted to put it in, and you know whether it was deflection or not, he did. So great finish, and it was one of those moments of magic that we're talking about that he can give you that first touch, as you've said. That, that I think the vision, the vision from McGeady and uh, the, the, the pass, the weight of ball, and everything. I thought that was great as well. And what a pair of substitutions! I, I just think McGeady's so unlucky to not be playing at the moment. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, those. It's it's difficult though, isn't it? It's like. You have these cameos where players come on and do great as a substitute. So when defenders are tired and, and the, then, the last thing they want to see is a, a winger running at them, isn't it, being direct. So yeah, I thought I thought he did great when he came on. You know, he had the assist. Um, then we started to apply a little bit of pressure. Yeah, I think a two. I think once we got two on up, I think that was a bit of a body blow to Fulham, and I think Fulham, you know, lost a lot of momentum and the Reds went down it, and we rounded off the game. Yeah, so Naismith had a chance uh, to put us 3-1 up. A great ball from Lukaku when I didn't think he was going to pass it because he's, he's, you know, he's, he's a little bit... He's, he can be a little bit greedy in that position. Uh, but he wasn't to be denied and we got uh, another bit of fortune where we got the ball on the left. Somehow Baines wasn't, uh, wasn't flagged offside after the ball bobbled through off Kevin Morales' hand in the penalty box. Yeah. There were a few arguments that he could have had the penalty there. But anyway, Baines gets the ball on the byline, cuts it back, and Naismith gets his goal. And, uh, Again, well deserved for his, just for just, his second half performance. He, he was just great. And, you know, he, got, he picked up Sky's man of the match. He picked up our man of the match, you know, which is obviously more important. For me, it was John Stones. Right, okay. So he picked up my man of the match, which is more important than Sky's. And um, just shortly after he got he got his goal, he had a bit of a thirty-yard punt as well, and uh, it could, could have made a four-one. It bounced out from. The, I didn't even think I didn't think he had that in his locker, did you? Well, he is, uh, you know, surprising me every time he comes on lately. So why not? He so, is, after all, he is the the Albino Kelly. Yeah, three-one, three games, three goals in each, three points in each. Five wins on the bounce. What more do you want? And that puts us... And five wins on the bounce. And we're still heavily criticising. We are, because I still don't think we're playing to our potential. No, so if it kicks in, you know, if this is our poor spell, it's going to be great, isn't it? It is. Um, And I think I mentioned before, I put out on the Facebook, didn't I, a a while back, uh, you know, just before the start of these five games... I said our next six games are all winnable because I thought we would have played the Crystal Palace game by now as well. Um, and I think we should take 18 points from those six games, including the Palace game. Uh, and I got sh- I got shouted down. So to all those non-believers, uh, it looks like that was a very possible reality because I think we'll be Palace at home. Yeah, well, hopefully, yeah. So, right, let me, a couple, uh, couple of little notes here. Five wins since Big Dunk joined the bench. So we're unbeaten with Duncan Ferguson as a first team coach. Coincidence? Well, I don't know. I don't, re- I don't know whether I really believe in coincidences. Um, Lukaku has started scoring again since Big Dunk has been sat on the bench. Coincidence? Sure. I don't believe in coincidences. In fact, the whole, the whole team started Stephen scoring Stephen Naismith? As- he said he's working with the big man. 
the big dunk factor is that what we're calling this uh, this push for force are we I, I think it's just the, 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 the whole management team seems to be working great at the moment the team itself not playing particularly well but picking up results and you know we'd love we'd love to go out and smash every team and play them off the park Barcelona style at the moment we're trying to do it but it's not always paying off but we've got to get the results together what I did notice was at the Swansea game now obviously I wasn't at the Fulham or Newcastle game with them being away but Duncan Ferguson was, was up and was very active on the touchline. You know, he was out, he was shouting instructions. He came out with the players at half-time, all the subs, and worked with the subs, the subs at half-time. Um, and he seemed to be taking the lead on giving instructions at set pieces, both defensively and offensively. So whenever we get a corner, Duncan was up, giving the players instructions where to go. Now, whether that was, that, that was the same at Newcastle and Fulham, I, I can't say. It'll be interesting to see if that happens at Arsenal. But he does seem to be, you know, getting given a bit of a, you know, free reign, basically, to, to, to get up there and, and, and put in his views. Yeah, good stuff. So, um, just wanna, did you see that picture of Osman? And did you see Osman celebrating once, once the, I think it was the second, the second goal went, uh, went in? At Fulham when we went 2-1 off. Yeah. Yeah. It was just amazing to see that. Unbridled joy, wasn't it? Yeah. And, you know, whatever you want to say about Osman, whatever you want to criticise him about, he, he's a true blue, isn't he? He'd had a frustrating day after a great uh, great day against Newcastle. Frustrating day. You know, a lot of fans on his back. And, you know, gets taken off for what was to be the match-winning substitutions, really. And... Um, still celebrates like he scored himself so easy to forget he's a one club man and, and you don't get many of them in football anymore do you no. so um, so league wise obviously we're, we're as we say we're right back in contention for fourth at the moment uh, currently sitting in fifth on 60 points uh, Arsenal 64 points but we have got that game in hand against Palace so if we win that you could say we're one point behind them. don't want to count any chickens but a small matter of us playing them and that's who we play next, at Goodison. Um, so so we'll have that preview coming up in a bit. We'll go to the news section, um, and then we'll be back towards the end of the podcast with our preview of our biggest game of the season, which we say every week, but it definitely is our biggest game of the season so far, uh, the Arsenal game. News! Okay, so... We've got quite a few little bits of uh, news stories this week. Obviously, the usual transfer kind of rumours and stuff. The main bit of news is uh, Leighton Baines bought an ice cream. He did, yeah, uh, which uh, went viral. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, have we been able to ascertain yet just what it was? Was it a 99er or...? I wonder, I, mean, I think it would be a double with double flake. Really? And not that horrible red sauce on it, maybe some green sauce and loads of hundreds and thousands. You see, I... I'm a screwball man myself. I like a nice screwball, and I must admit, I do like a bit of red sauce and green sauce and hundreds of thousands and a flake. Yeah, but I always ask for a blue chewy. Go big or go home. <laughs> That's, you've got to, haven't you? Yeah. Do you think he was getting ice creams for all the lads on the trip home, or do you think he just he was an hourglass and bought his I own? I think he's an hourglass and got his own. Maybe just him and Miles Kane sat there making ice cream. Fair enough. Um, so. so First bit of news we've got, sorry, second bit of news we've got. Uh, this is going to probably dominate news from now until the end of the season. Uh, Lukaku. Uh, it's pretty much common 
knowledge or understanding that Chelsea are going to let uh, Lukaku go to probably, probably it's going to end up being an auction, isn't it? Yeah, I think they, they're obviously looking to finance... Uh, they need the centre forward desperately, don't they? I think they're looking to finance a deal for the likes of maybe you know Falcao or Diego Costa or you know one of the European big guns at the minute. Um, so they're having a, a little bit of a clear out. It looks like Torres might be on his way, uh, and it looks like Lukaku is going to be up for sale as well. Um, Everton obviously being one of the the suitors who, who would like his permanent signing. Yeah, the other big one that are being linked with them is uh, Tottenham. I've heard Newcastle and Chester as well. Pardew again talking about how Lukaku would, you know, would clearly want to go to Newcastle rather than Everton. Yeah. Okay. So he's the only uh, spanner in the works for us would be the fact that we might not make uh, Champions League. So uh, Newcastle would be a better option then. Uh, Alan Pardew, just go home. I wouldn't. It wouldn't massively surprise me if somebody like Arsenal came in for him either. No, he's got. I mean, he's he's, he's a very he's very talented, and he's got a lot of. Uh, I don't know. Like he's got a lot, like a lot of worldwide like sway. He's got a lot of presence, hasn't he? He's like, he's very active. He's on a name. So, so he's yeah. a name, isn't he? He's a uh, very marketable as well, and he's very young. So you can build, you know, build your team around, or you know, at least as a figurehead, which was what we want to for many years to come. Uh, so, twenty-five million euros is that what approximately what twenty? It's around twenty-ish million, isn't it? Which is the figure being bandied about, which was the figure that was getting bandied about at the start of the season. I would say probably around Christmas. Uh, that figure that we a lot of Evertonians were saying we wouldn't pay that sort of money for him because he wasn't in the greatest. Form. His form's come back recently, I would say. Goals have started again. Uh, and his value's gone back up to, to what it was earlier in the season. Um, apparently, from what we're hearing from his agent, uh, he says Everton are in pole position. It looks like it, at the minute it's a two way fight between Everton and Spurs. The, um, so, whoever gets this, I mean, if we don't manage to make it into the Champions League, is it a matter of who finishes higher? I don't. I don't think it is. I don't think it's about league position. I think it's probably about where Lukaku wants to be now. He's saying he's enjoying life at Everton. He appears to be enjoying life at Everton. But there's always that thing, isn't it, about life in London? But I know you say you know you, you, it's the stuff we've seen about Delafeo and stuff like that. It's like you enjoy life over here. You enjoy life on holiday, but you've got to go back to. You know, you've got to go back home at some time. You can't just completely live, you know, like on a beach resort, can you? And, uh, you know, and, and if you do that every single day for the rest of your life, would it be enjoyable? I think as a professional footballer, you pretty much can live your life the way you want to do it. And I think what worries me is if Tottenham come in for him and he, they match what he's asking for, you know, he, he clearly lives in London now from his time at Chelsea he wouldn't have to move out you know the city although I love the city of Liverpool and I think it's one of the greatest cities in the world um, you know I would have thought for the, a professional footballer there's a lot more trappings down in London uh, and a lot more appeal a city of London you know for things to do outside of football than there is in Liverpool so but 
I would hope Lukaku's good to his word and would seriously consider Evan. I think it's less so with London uh, as the, as the, the the internet and you know technology it, it makes the world a smaller place. Um, you know, I, I think maybe. So you think maybe Lukaku can watch string fellows on an internet feed rather than go? Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think we're going to be in there finishing fourth. I think we'll guarantee us signing him. That that's my gut feeling. If we qualify for the Champions League, I think undoubtedly he'll sign for us. I think that'll be the first bit of action. Yeah, I think it'll be done very early as well. I think we'll meet the asking price. You know, all the talk at the moment is we have got money in the summer, somewhere in the region of twenty to thirty million. That is the talk. I I, I, uh, I heard more like twenty million. So twenty million means you, you you blow it all on one player when we do need to strengthen. Yeah, but that's before there's any outgoings. So, for instance. You know, we sell Morales for twelve million or fifteen million. You, you don't know, do you? And I'm, I'm just guessing, but you know, I've got a sneaking suspicion that Romelu Lukaku will be an Everton player to start next season. I hope so. I mean, we have we've, we've criticised him as well. You know, not overly so, but you know, we have we said that he might not be worth that twenty million, but he's got something, hasn't he? And it's it's something he's got something special and the Gladys Street sing his name every week yeah and he, you know he, he could be an idol for years to come he could um, and anyway if we don't we just go and sign Boney instead yeah uh, someone we, we have got no answers for this whatsoever and this isn't a case of our lazy journalism it's a case of I don't think anybody knows Um but you might have seen over the news the past couple of days, Barcelona have uh, been slapped with a, a three-transfer window ban, which equates to something like 14 months. It's, yeah, it's, it's the best part of two seasons, isn't it, really? It's, uh, so 14-month ban, uh, transfer ban, and whether this uh, is incoming, outgoing only... I don't know. We can't. We From what I've heard, that it's they they're not allowed to buy players. Apparently, they've been buying been buying under 18s illegally. I believe. Aye, aye. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's got anything to do with the Neymar deal because the Neymar deal has come out and has been a bit wishy washy, hasn't it? Where the club only got like 12 million, even though the transfer fee was 50 million, and his family got 30 or something <laughs> bizarre. Anyway, um, so. Uh, and a lot of Blues are, are wondering what does this mean with regards to Delafeu? Does that mean we can't loan him next season? But I think my understanding is that the Barcelona can sell players and can let players go. They just can't bring anyone in. Now, obviously, that might have a knock-on effect where they think they we need, need we, we need players in the squad because we can't. Well, I've seen something today uh, from uh, a, a, a Twitter account called Barca News. And right. They seem what do they what do they cover? <laughs> they seem to think that this ban means that loans that are in place can't be terminated. So it's a, it's a bit of a funny one. Yeah, obviously can't. We're going to have Delphine to the end of the season. Yeah, it? no. Even as far as next season, this loan it must maybe it's a rolling kind of deal, but they can't cancel it, and it affects uh, Delphine and affects uh, Costa and it affects Rafinha, who are on loan to you know clubs like. Well, it's going to come out in the wash, isn't it? We're going to, there's, going to, there's a lot of talk at the moment about Barcelona appealing it anyway, and so maybe the, it won't 
kick in this transfer window and maybe it won't even come into play and they'll be hit with a large fine instead. So it's interesting. On a brighter note, it means they can't sign Seamus Coleman. Yeah. I wonder whether does it, does it, uh, do it apply to a management team as well? Interesting. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know whether it'd be... Obviously, you know, he's, he's a talented young lad and he's a very, very fashionable to have, you know, a young a Barcelona youngster, youngster in your team. Whether he stays or what, uh, or whatever, it, it's a lot, he's a lot more of a fashionable name than Aidan McGeady, isn't he? But... With the glimpses of form that McGeady's been showing, I don't think it'd be the end of the world if he goes. Plus, that the young, the young lad in the reserves. Have you seen the highlights uh, that Kennedy's been producing? Yeah, the past couple of past couple of weeks. I, I do think. I mean, I, I've you know criticised Delafeu a number of times this season on the podcast, but I do think he would be better next season. I really do. You know, I oh, think yeah, he's course. come out this week and said. He's benefited from his time and everything. Yeah, he, he's improved his physique. His physique, yeah. I, I can't see it. We can't see it myself. No, he's get and obviously you know he, he's getting used to the, the the pace and the power in the Premiership. So I'd like to see him with us again next season. Um, he's one of them players, isn't he? Whenever you're there, pundits at games like on Sky, they make out like he's been a saviour of our club this season in some way. Have you noticed that? Yeah. You know, and it, and it's you can you can clearly see that you know the pundits are just going by name value only, you know, and I highlight real more than anything else. Uh, I don't think in any it's way he's going to save your club. If you think about it, if you look at it on paper, he hasn't particularly played much. I think eight, something like eight games, and he's but we've we've won them all. Well, sorry, not won them all. We've done well in them all because we didn't, we didn't win the Arsenal game. Um, so it's you talk about those same same pundits. It's those same pundits who talk about what a great season Kevin Morales has had. Yeah, and it's you know because he scores a couple of worldy uh, free kicks and he's got he's got great skill. It's, it is highlight highlight uh, real kind of. It's the same pundit who two two weeks ago now Quinn said Ross Barkley was in the form of his life when he hadn't played well in about two and a half months. Yeah, yeah so. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe that. Anyway, uh, one from one winger to another. Um, just news today is that former Everton player uh, nice little story this Andy Shandy van der Meijer Andy van der Meijer um, on, on the back of his uh, best selling autobiography which I, I didn't know he had one out I didn't even I haven't even seen that come out how many copies did that tell was it in Dutch or English don't know um, I don't know it, it's apparently it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an amazing read because uh, he wasn't just called uh, Shandy van der Meijer because it rhymed he really did have a, a bit of a problem with the uh, with the ale, beds, and uh, a little bit of gamble and stuff like that. And because of this, they've decided to make um, a reality TV show with, with reveal all. And Andy Van Der Meijer reality <laughs> TV show. Yeah. So uh, is it going to be called much. Van Der Meijer in Chelsea? Possibly. I, I, I couldn't comment on that. Um, but it's got to be worth a watch, that, hasn't it? Definitely. Even if it's in Dutch with English subtitles, I think I'll be tuning into that one. Um, so another bit, little bit of news is uh, just just breaking out today. Uh, Gareth Barry has come out and said that James McCarthy is already one of the best midfield partners partners he's he's ever played with. Yeah, well, I think he basically says one of the best midfielders he's ever played with. And if you have a look at some of the players that Barry's played with down the years, you know, at, at City. 
uh, and even for England, you know, he's played with some good players, hasn't he? So uh, high praise indeed for James McCarthy, who is rapidly looking like our player of the season. I would say. I I think Coleman's going to get it. I think consistently, McCarthy's been better. Mc- Coleman has obviously scored goals. Yeah, so I think. And I think that's, that that makes him look like a better player over the course of the season. But I think consistency wise, uh, I think McCarthy's been our player of the season. What about young player? There's got to be Ross, or do you think Stones is going to come in? How old is James McCarthy? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> you can't really look past him. I if if you were asking me to uh, give awards now, I would give James McCarthy player of the season and John Stones young player of the season. Who would you give it our Irish player of the season? What about James McCarthy? <laughs> what about Belgian? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> anyway, we will have an award show at the end of the season when we've got a filler week with nothing to talk about. Yeah. Uh, one, of, uh, one of the other players I just mentioned then, uh, Ross Barkley is 50-50 for the weekend, but you seem to have some breaking news on this. I do have a little bit of breaking news on this. Um, one of my colleagues in work uh, was speaking to Ross Barkley last night uh, and asked him about his leg. He's a big blue, so he's not making this up. And asked him about his injury, and Barkley said, I'm fine, I'll be fit for, Saturday, uh, for Sunday. That's great. I mean, whether Roberto sees it that way, the fact that if a player declares himself fit and to have that option available, I think is a must against Arsenal because, you know, Osman over those two games was hit and miss. Barkley's been hit and miss. So between the two of them, we might have a, a one. A one Decent match-winning performance. Yeah, um, my mate also said that he was a lovely lad. Well, he just looks—it looks like a little bit of scally, but yeah, you know, he probably is. No, he said he was a lovely lad. I asked him, did he kiss his leg better? And he said yes. And he said he also performed a act that we won't go into on this uh, podcast. But he was only messing. Oh right, okay. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure you can work that out. Yeah. Uh, Two other players who are making progress. I don't think they'll make the weekend. Uh, Pina, I, I think he's l- less likely. And Jagielka, possibly. And uh, even I, if Pina was fit, he's not going to. There's no chance he's going to come into the starting eleven. Um, would he even make the bench at the minute? What about Jags? Uh, well, like we said earlier in the podcast today, the form John Stones in at the minute. Um, you know, I think we're going to have to really start looking at. John Stones and Jack Elka being the way forward at centre half. But for this sun, uh, sorry for this uh, this Sunday, do you think Jags is going to come back in for this time? No, I think if anything, he'll be on the bench. Uh, I think probably stick with this Dan and John Stones at centre half for the the weekend. Okay. So another a few other bits of news which we we should have covered last week were a few uh, players going out on loan. Yeah, most notably uh, are. Uh, elusive friend the missing man uh, Velios uh, and he's gone to Blackpool yeah uh, apparently have you heard that there's been some talk about us developing a relationship with Blackpool and they'll be the club that we send a lot of players out on loan there's talk next season of uh, Garbutt and Browning both going to Blackpool I think Garbutt would be d- disappointed if he got sent out on loan again next season do you? Well, at the moment he's not really getting a look in is he? Um, I think w- we were trying to develop this sort of relationship with Tramia. Uh, we had a couple of players who went out on loan there early in the crap. season, and then, well, yeah, and they're all 
doing illegal gambling, which isn't really going to help, is it? So, uh, well, Blackpool, it's going to Well, we, we, I think you put a comment this week, didn't you, about uh, Velios being big, Greek. He's always on the big one. Yeah. I think that was your comment, wasn't on it? The to- yeah, the top which of the tower. It, which amused me on the, the Bobby horses. So, apparently, he went down the beach the other day and, and was wondering why Andy Carroll was giving rides to children for £2 a go. Yeah, okay. I would have liked to have seen Conor Mathalini go as well. That was the other name linked to a Blackpool next season. I'd, well, I'd like to have seen him. You know, we, we discussed this. On, I think it might have been the last podcast. Uh, you know, uh, Roberto rates him highly. He's come back from his injury really well. I mean, is there? A... It might just be not throwing him into you know championship games this early after his leg break, possibly. Possibly. But uh, uh, quite a few players went out, didn't he? Uh, I think. Um, did Kennedy or Pennington, one of the two, went back to Tramia? Pennington, I don't know, it seems, it seems a while ago now. Yeah, so a few of the players have gone out on loan anyway, um, and uh, hopefully they'll be getting a good bit of playing time before the end of the season and a good bit of experience to come back to Everton with in the summer. You put something out yesterday about this, uh, this mini summer tournament, uh, friendly tournament. And is this, is this this confirmed, is it? I don't know if it's been officially confirmed by the club, but there's a lot of talk going about. I know there's a couple of people already talking about arranging trips out there, you know, some of the supporters' clubs. So I think it's pretty much nailed on. It's, a, it's one of these two-day tournaments uh, out in Germany, the weekend of the 2nd and 3rd of August uh, in Schalke. Schalke have got quite some an impressive clubs, st- stadium. Well, there's, there's, Biggest club of all. There's three, you know... Decent-sized European clubs and a one huge, massive club. Uh, the three decent-sized European clubs being ourselves, Schalke, who are, who are doing well in Germany at the moment, um, Malaga, who are doing okay in the Spanish league and they've got you know good rich owners who are trying to put a project together there in Malaga, and of course a huge, massive giant of European football, uh, Newcastle United. Yeah, it's going to be tricky, that one. It will be tricky. Obviously, you know, Newcastle are massive favourites. Uh, and Pardew thinks that, you know, winning this tournament will probably qualify them for the Champions League. Yeah, I've seen as well, we're, we're going to uh, go back, well, probably the two weeks before that, there'll be another trip to the US for some games. Uh, I don't know if the cities have been confirmed yet, but again, I've seen some uh, US blues on our pages saying that they've seen, you know, they've already seen these fixtures penciled in. So, if we, once we get news of that, we will. Yeah, let's get the season out of the way first before we start talking about next year's pre-seasons. Uh, one final little bit of news is uh, we are going to celebrate uh, our our fifth signing with Chang. So a fifth deal signing is it with yeah. Chang? Right, okay. We're going to celebrate it by not drinking it because it tastes like piss. Yeah. Uh, but we managed to get an exclusive um, interview. We did, obviously, to to celebrate the new deal with Chang. There's going to be a lot, a lot of stuff going on in the fan zone. I think they're giving 10,000 wristbands away. And uh, Kevin Morales is mo- uh, modelling a, 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 you know, a, a, a relationship with Chang T-shirts, whatever it was. Is that know. happening? Um, well, that, that was just on the Everton website. Right. Um, there's going to be Changi matches. And speaking of Changi, we managed to get a couple of words with the great um, elephant man himself. <laughs> we, we did, yeah. The elephant man himself. Not Julian Lescott, of course. Um, but... When when we heard that the, the the new deal with Chang was, was signed, there was only one man we could talk to, and that was Chang the Elephant. So uh, I, we're just going to play you the clip now of me interviewing Chang the Elephant. 
Yeah, it's Mark Mack here. Uh, I'm at Goodison Park and I'm proud to say I'm in the company of uh, Changi the Elephant. Uh, Changi, thanks for speaking to us today. Uh, we're here to ask you about the, the new deal signed with, with Chang Beer. Uh, what's your thoughts on renewing the working relationship with Everton Football Club? Yeah, it's, it's great to hear such a, an inspiring answer there, Changi. And obviously, uh, we appreciate, you know, Chang's involvement in the club as well and, you know, the, the financial backing they've gave Everton. I mean, we're looking for a little bit of an inside scoop here, to be honest, Changi. Can you tell us if the finances that Chang will be providing next year will go uh, towards signing Lukaku on a permanent deal? Wow, I'm sure you can all agree that was absolutely riveting stuff and great uh, journalism there from Mark. Thanks, you know, it's a big honour to get to meet Changi and uh, as you can see there, absolute scoop at the end about the Lukaku deal so it's, uh, as you can tell from Changi's answer there, you know, we now know the answer about the Lukaku deal. Yeah, and I think that uh, that pretty much wraps up the news. Uh, so we've got a little bit of so- social media feedback to come and then... Uh, a look ahead at the big one uh, against Arsenal at the weekend again. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Okay, so you've got our links there. What we've been doing the past few weeks has been putting out a, a few uh, burning questions of the week, so to speak, uh, and we put a few out this week. And we've been mass debating, haven't we? A, a bit of mass debating. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it at all. It's natural. It's natural to mass debate. And we, uh, <laughs> we, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of like, vocal, vocal support for it, you know, and uh, a lot of good feedback. Uh, so we're going to try and just whiz through uh, a little bit of your feedback. The first question... Is a little bit of a, a little bit of a controversial one. We should have got Changi the elephant views on this, shouldn't we? Because you know done, yeah. he likes to dish the dirt, like. But uh, it's about uh, somebody I think who, until very recently, Everton Evertonians looked at very fondly, but now may polarise a little bit of uh, opinion. Yeah. So the question was, uh, what reception do you reckon Arteta gets at the weekend? Just less warm than usual, or flat out hostile? This is obviously following on from his uh, badge kissing exploit uh, in the FA Cup Badge kissing? Did you see him? I don't think he kissed the badge. And we discussed this, and I think he wasn't going to celebrate the first one. The first when the first penalty went in, and then the pressure the second time through, uh, he, he ended up like getting the, his emotions get the better of him, and was rather disrespectful in his celebrations. It was a big high-pressure cuff game, wasn't it? So, uh, But let's see. Who cares what we think? Let's see what our, uh, our interactors... Do you want to say the first one? That's a, a new word I think I've just invented. Interactors think. Yeah. Okay. Social media no, anyway. Um The first comment we had was, was very to the point, really. Uh, Richard Roberts says, Boo there, beep, for celebrating and clutching the Arsenal badge. Yeah. There's yeah. not many ways we won't say on this podcast, but we're trying to avoid saying that one. Yeah, there's some T-bombs t- and C-bombs. I don't think we can go that far. Well, we can, but we'll just get banned off iTunes and you won't be able to listen to us anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stevie Demon, some people need to get a grip. He effing plays for Arsenal. They pay his effing wages. Get over it. Simples. I sort of agree to this. I think, you know, 
If I was an Arsenal fan, I'd expect them to celebrate a goal. If I was an Everton fan, I expect players to celebrate a goal for us. If I, if there was a player, say, if we signed Daniel Sturridge, I just made John Pugh. Say if we and then he scored against Liverpool, I'd want him to celebrate that goal. Would you want him to do a stupid teapot dance? Or yeah, right, kiss in, badge? right in front of them, do his teapot dance all day. So I understand this point, and I sort of do agree with it. So I see where Stevie's coming from. Kenny Daly says. He's a gimp, which is a very 90s insult. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't play. He's a shithouse. Let McCarthy at him. Do uh, we really want somebody getting sent off for doing Arteta? No, we don't. Um, would Arteta like to get someone sent off? Of course he would. Yeah. Uh, Dave Gilbody, uh, indifferent, can't be arsed him. You might think he uh, has been. Uh, Mark Bagnell. Couldn't care less about Arteta. This game is an excuse to get the atmosphere up to the level it was when we had the red shite at home because it's been terrible for the rest of the season. That is a very sensible response and I think that is our best. We can't let this game be about Arteta. It needs to be about Everton, supporting Everton, getting behind a team. We can make it a hostile environment for Arsenal to be in just by getting behind the Blues. I know I read the last one out, but I want to just read the next one as well because uh, I was actually having this conversation with somebody else yesterday. Uh, Gary Hyam makes the point, I never thought he'd celebrate like that against us. Yes, Arsenal pays wages, but we gave him so much support over the years and he just shit on us in the cup. Would you see Tim Cahill doing that? Me not think so. Now, Tim Cahill has benefited, I think, from not going to another Premier League club. He went to the MLS, so we don't have to have this problem. However, let's say, for instance, Tim Cahill had signed for European Giants Newcastle. Right? <laughs> yeah. And if Tim Cahill had scored the goal against Evan and then did his trademark celebration, which he always does whenever he scores, ran over to the corner flag, gave it the punches, would he then be hated by Evertonians? I don't know. I think that this badge clutching, I think it's been, you know, it's a lot of people have misconstrued it as badge kissing and doing that in, in such a, you know, in such a high pressure game. I don't know. You know, the, the other, you know, stalling tactics and trying to get players booked and stuff like that, I think that's what's leaving a bit of a sour taste. But he's done that in the game since. You know, since he's left us, he's done that for Arsenal a few times, and he's put a couple of hefty challenges in, and he's you know, he's played he did he's played the Arteta way the way he used to do for us, little like sometimes sometimes sneaky little tactics, um, but it's just this time I think it's like because of the pressure of the situation, I think he's got a little too much. Uh, just a little point from like quite another quite sensible point from Stephen Bleasdale. Obviously, I mean I'm not knocking it for people who are having a go. I'm just saying, you know. You tend to find other people who are sort of trying to justify it are a little bit more eloquent than the ones who are not. <laughs> For instance, John Porter, he's a rat. Yeah. Uh, Everton fans never used to be like this. Arteta plays for Arsenal, that, that, that's it. I'm still going clap to clap him. To me, he's one of the better players I've seen in Everton shirt. Put it this way, I'd want all our players to celebrate and kiss the, bat, the Everton badge even if they were playing against the Royal Club. So... Uh, Michael Blakely, this match is not about us booing an opposition player, it's about us getting behind the team. 
Michael Perryman. And I never thought I'd see a, a reference to this band on our on our Facebook page. In the words of Pantera, I hope it's fucking hostile. And anyone who knows like metal or you know that, that type of band is one of their biggest tunes. So um, yeah, I never thought I'd see Pantera mentioned on our page. Uh, Carl Rowland's all the way from Australia. Uh, he's gone for a bit of a chant. So he's gone, follow, follow, follow. Everton is the team to follow. There is nobody better than Bobby Martinez. He's the best brown-shoed Spaniard we know. Doesn't really roll off the tongue, I don't Good think. Good effort. Good effort. Uh, and then he's followed that up with uh, F off Arteta a number of times. So F off Arteta, F off Arteta, yeah. John Cross, must kill, dot, 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 times ten. Yeah, so you, I think that's probably going overboard a little bit. Uh, and Gavin Vinnie Johnson makes, a, makes an interesting point. Uh, I always thought Arteta was arrogant and cocky even when he played for us. I reckon he's going to get a very frosty frost reception. And I think he was, you know. He's one of them players, isn't he, when he played for us. He had that little air of arrogance about him. And he also, you know, he'd win free kicks that weren't really free kicks. And we used to like that. We don't like it now he plays for somebody else. Yeah, It'll be interesting to see the reception he gets. I think from the majority of the fans. You've got to remember, on the Facebook, you tend to get the hardcores, don't you? The hardcore opinionated fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there might be booing from, you know, a couple of hundred, possibly. But I think the majority of the fans will probably clap him as, as they always Jake do. Jake Jones, though, has got a point. Hope he, got, hope he got, gets a good one. Where's that 10 million gone? Where's the Arteta money bill? We should have known we get an Arteta money bill shout, shouldn't we, from there? Uh, from, uh, Okay, so we're obviously we're running over on this week's podcast, so we're trying to shorten the social media. Yeah, thanks for everyone who's gone to touch with us on it, though. So we couldn't read everyone's comments this week. Uh, the second question that we're going to look at today uh, is um, I forgot which one we're going to do now, Johnny. Help yeah, me out. I've put a number of questions. Um, Pina, the, Stephen Pina, the, the one that seems to have the biggest response again, uh, polarizing opinion on this player who's still at Everton. Uh, do you think Stephen Pienaar still has an Everton future? Do we need him? So, this season, I, I mean, I've, I've talked about a lot about how, how much he kind of slows. He doesn't seem to have that kind of cutting-edge vision and incisive bit of play that he used to have. Yeah, so looking at uh, the comments, uh, Michael McLean uh, starts us off with, we don't need him. Not very nice way to put it put it because he saved us well but in my opinion there isn't a place for him in our starting team for sure yeah do you want to do another one uh, Stevie Demon he's done his fair share but we have McGeady and Oviedo who are ready to take over it's uh, Butler good player he links up well with Baines down the left I think that partnership's been found out a long time ago but the fact that we've got other partnerships around the pitch now that could come back into play yeah, okay. Gwyn Jones, he's been a great player for Everton. Not so sure he has shown us his previous potential this year, but still a good player to keep hold of, at least for one more season. Another sensible point from Tom, uh, Tom McKay, Tom W. McKay. Uh, all of these people moaning about our squad being too small, he can still be a squad player. Peter Murphy, Pienaar has been a great player for this club, but his pace going forward is not to be desired and he slows the play down. Uh, with his twists and turns, he usually gets us into trouble. Once Oviedo is back, he will be surplus to requirements in my eyes. Ryan Sangster, no, if we get into Champions League, we need better players. Yes, if we don't. 
Chris Pryor, before Martinez came, Pinar was the one player above all who never hid. He always wanted the ball, always put a good shift in. I think this season he has looked less effective because he's been relied on less and we play around different areas of the pitch more. He is definitely a squad player worth having unless we spend big and buy quite a few more players. Uh, Jay Pritch, yes, his quality and you need someone like him is understanding with Baines' importance. Uh, Peter Thompson, squad and backup, but like Kale, he is expendable. Yeah, that's a good point, that actually, isn't it? Is, 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 is it? is it come to that kind of, you know, period, you know, where it is time to just kind of let go? People just have the time at clubs, don't they? Yeah, well, you look, you know, a few years ago, Pienaar, Arteta, Kale, they were our key players, weren't they? And, you know, Arteta's gone, Kale's gone, and Pienaar's the last of that sort of... That breed, really, isn't he? Uh, Martin w- uh, Wilston, no and no. Never been a fan. A clever footballer, but too lightweight and pedestrian. See, this is my, this is my first opinion of PNR when he first came to the club. He definitely, obviously, had that little bit of skill, but people had just kind of brushed past him. And he'd, uh, and then he seemed to, you know, get used to the English game, uh, really became one of our top players, went off to Tottenham, obviously failed down at Tottenham, came back, had an good impact on us again um, but I don't think he's reached those heights that he reached and he seems to have regressed back into that lightweight and pedestrian kind of play instead of being you know that, you know, he, he just had that great little bit of touch but now when was the last time you, you saw him you know, play a through ball or no you're right I, a player? I think if we get a, my personal point of view is if we get an offer that's a decent offer in the summer then maybe we should look at it yeah, at his age, though, he's probably not going to, you know, bring in a big fee as he wouldn't have thought. Maybe a few million. Somebody's put here. I don't know. Uh, it's quite random. Kieran Murphy, great servant for the club, but I'd sell him to FC Toronto for one million. I haven't seen any links with that. Has he just pulled that out? Of- Possibly. I don't know. I don't know where he's got that from. Um, so, just a short social media section this week because um, we are running extremely late because we like to talk too much. Um, so. A little clip for you now, and we'll be back with the preview of the Arsenal game. Just before that, I just want to say, you know, I, I do say this every week. If you've got any views that you want to share with us, like vocally, if you want, just record. If you've got an iPhone or whatever equivalent, a smartphone, just record record a voice memo, and you can just uh, share that with us, and we'll try and throw it in uh, into the social media section. Uh, the email address is not bitter at not bitter, just better at outlook.com. God, that's a bit of a mouthful. Um, and as I say, you know, we'll, we'll try and put that in there. I am Ian Snowden, and you're listening to the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. So it's match preview time again, and uh, what a match to look forward to. Hello, YouTube listeners. Uh, this is welcome to our preview of the Arsenal game. Yeah, biggest game of the season. We say this every week, but this definitely is. Um, you know, I think probably if you look back, our last biggest game of the season was probably also Arsenal away, wasn't it, in the FA Cup? 
Um, but this now, over the form we've shown over the last couple of weeks and the amount of points we've picked up recently, uh, we do have a realistic chance of fighting for fourth, which we didn't think we would have. You yeah, know, after, possibly. But after that other Arsenal game, could could you believe that this this scenario would even be possible? No, you know, I thought we were at best battling for Europe somewhere between fifth to seventh, possibly. But um, yeah, you know, the boys have done us well. Uh, and this is now a massive game. Uh, obviously, we we talked before Arsenal are four points ahead of us in the league. We do have that game in hand against Crystal Palace, so potentially the, the gap could be one point. Uh, and we welcome uh, the Gunners to Goodison Park on Sunday. Uh, I, all the talk this week has been about what we need. What we need to do, you know, we've won our last five games at Goodison. We've won our last five games overall, but. You know, we've won our last five games at Goodison as well with the inform home team in the league at the moment, and we just need to uh, build on that form and uh, get behind the team and just make it back into one of those. I mean, this game would benefit from being midweek, wouldn't it? Like one of those under the lights games. Just it that, would. That's it when would. The atmosphere comes out. I'm not a fan of early kickoffs on a Sunday. Uh, I'm really not. Uh, I thought we were slow to start last weekend, and you know, playing at a similar time against Fulham. It took us 45 minutes to get out the blocks, uh, and we have got a tendency to start games slowly recently. And I don't think we can afford to do that against Arsenal. We need a full 90 minutes of being at them, being in the face, attacking football, um, and really have a good go at them. Because let's face it, we haven't got anything to lose. Saying that though, we are, we are the club that scored the most late go- goals in the league. Yeah, exactly. So we start off slowly, don't we? That, that's that's. So, but I'd rather the, the see that. Yeah. I'd rather see our goals spread out across matches or come early rather than late. It's just just for your nerves, isn't it? I think, well, I think we must probably. Play. As Evertonians, I think your life expectancy goes down about ten years, doesn't it? Because of the roller coaster ride of emotions that you go through every single week. But you know. Three points and a must, really, if we want to have any sort of ideas about the Champions League. Uh, and a lot of people at the moment are favouring us because we are the team with the momentum going into it. I mean, you look at Arsenal's last game, it was, I mean, tough fixture, home to Man City. Uh, and it was, they, I suppose they would see it as a good result. They got a, a 1 1 draw and got a point out of the game. That point could be decisive. I think that's what that's what come out of that weekend. If they hadn't got that point, you know, it would have been straight up, like, uh, you know, straight up three points ahead. So this game, you know, was going into this game with three points. But now, it's gonna, it looks like we're going to have to win virtually every game between now and the end of the season. And not and there's we, some difficult we've got ones, City eh? and Man U both at home to play. And, you know, and the relegation battle that goes with it as well. Of course. Uh, looking at the Arsenal team that are likely to come to Goodison, uh, they have got a few players out at the moment. The most notable probably being Wilshire and Ramsey in the centre of the park. Well, Ramsey, Ramsey going out just killed their season. It has, yeah. You, you can notice a, a decline since they've lost Ramsey. Uh, they've also, they have been recently missing Koscielny at centre-half, who obviously has got a really good partnership with Mirta Saka. Uh, I don't know what the update on him is, whether he'll be back fifth for this game, uh, but I would expect Thomas Vermaelen to, to continue to well, deputise. We talked about him last time as well. He's club captain, you know, he's a teammate of um, Lukaku and Morales. He's, he's, he's a good sub to have come in, isn't he? He is a decent centre-half. I think they would like to see Koscielny back with me to sack it out to put that partnership back. Um, man to watch... 
Uh, I was going to go for Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, but I've decided to go for Kieran Gibbs instead because I can't tell them apart. Oh, yeah. You see what I've done there? I did, yeah. yeah. No, seriously, though, um, I think at the moment the informed player uh, for Arsenal is Santi Cazorla. Uh, you know, he looked class uh, the other day in the second half against City, uh, and he is one of those players who can, on his day, you know, can really turn a game and can pull the strings and control a game. I think I might have picked him as my man to watch earlier on in the season as well, possibly. Um, but I think he could be a serious threat. Um, you know, my tip, my tip there would be for uh, McCarthy to get some lo- longer studs defended against them because last time it, we're going to need people to stay on their feet, aren't we? We really yeah. are. Uh, oh, I, I think for different reasons, Arteta is going to be one to watch because of the atmosphere. I think Chesney Sh- 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 in goal has been uh, he's been blundering a little bit lately. I think we need to put a lot of pressure, early pressure on him. You know, long ranges, crosses into the box, uh, just anything to test him. And then, but most of all, follow in, keep a quick pace, just do what teams have been doing to us. Uh, you know, when we, we had we had our poor spell, just don't give them any time on the ball. You know, we've we've gone from being a little bit like do- dogs of war to like b- being out dogs of war. Some uh, possibly I'll have that. I'll have that. Sometimes get that back in the side, and um, and again we need the crowd to be the twelfth man. Definitely. Um, from an Everton point of view, would you expect Naismith to come in for Barkley? Or Osman? One I can't of the two. See it. I, I don't think Barkley's going to start after I can't taking see that Naismith knock. Starting. So, Osman, are we thinking possibly for that number 10 role? Do you think Morales did enough to come back in? Yeah, I think he's more likely to go with Morales. I think he might start this game. Saying that, though. Think about the, the trouble that Delafeu caused to Arsenal. He got the equaliser. Possibly the both of them. That was, that was as a sub, wasn't it? Both of them, do you think? No, I can't see that. It's interesting. Again, we, we've given up predicting who Martez is going to pick because we usually get it wrong. So We have this, we have that discussion every week, which yeah. we're not going to have this week. We'll leave it up to him on the day because in, in Roberto we trust. Uh, Results-wise, I'm going to be... I'm not going to say what people want me to say. Uh, I think it's going to be a draw, which doesn't really help anybody. It, but it doesn't. It doesn't kill our hopes. It doesn't kill our hopes. I don't think we're going to win. I don't know why. I've got a gut feel. Well, I think when we're faced with these real pressure games, uh, not just not just under uh, under Roberto, just over, over the past few years and a couple of times under Roberto this season, uh, we've just fell short. And I just I'm. I'm dreading that we do that again this time round because it's really set up for it to be a momentum changer and we could go on and do great things after this game. If, if you know, saying that you know we could end up winning this game and then just go and losing it half home against Palace because that's that's Everton, isn't it? It is. I mean, I'm looking forward to the game and it's great to be at this stage of the season and to still have games that are making you nervous and this game is making me nervous. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully it'll be three points to the Blues. Hopefully the the winning streak goes on and the, the home streak goes on. Um, I my my gut feelings a draw, but I think you know we're more than capable of beating them. You you know you said before. I just wanted to pick up on this before. You said it was a, a must win. There's a full sentence there, though, isn't it? It's a it's a must win if we have any aspirations of being in the Champions League next season. 
it's not a must-win. Our running is much more difficult than Arsenal's yeah, after this game. Not, it's not a must-win, though, isn't it? You think about our season, and it's not a must-win. If we win it, it'd be the icing on top, I think. I agree. Um, it's so a good point. Let's, let's get behind the team. If we don't manage to pull the win off, our season isn't over. We've done very well, and there's still a lot to play for. Exactly. So, come on, you Blues. We need a good... Uh, a good performance and that's about it from us this week hopefully we get through that game with the three points that we we need for the Champions League Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening as I always say if you're listening on SoundCloud or YouTube why not check us out on iTunes you subscribe and it comes direct to your phone on Thursday if you haven't got an Apple device we're also on Stitcher and also on Podbean I'll give you the social media links so you can listen direct. We post the podcast a few times a week once it's been recorded, so you can listen direct through Facebook or Twitter or whatever. So just keep an eye out. Uh, just if you're listening before the game, let's get behind the team. I can't wait. It's going to be a really buzzing atmosphere, and if we win, oh my god, it's just going to go off in it. Anyway, catch it all next week. And oh, come on, Blue Boys.